Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, hi there. Don't mind me. I am just reenacting the main event of AW Dynamite this week because I wanted to feel like Brian Danielson and John Moxley. I'm not going to lie, really hurts. But we just have had part one of Grand Slam, part two, which makes absolutely no sense. And if you do understand, you are now on my wavelength, which is not a good idea. Hello, my name is Simon Miller. We did just have a massive All Elite Wrestling show. So we take this. Ha! Ah, Sounded like somebody dying. It was meant to be like, oh my gosh, it's the finger of power. And we're going to give the good bits an up and the bad bits are down. AEW really knows how to make Arsha ass look like it's a really big deal. Because as soon as the camera was on it, I was like, this feels like a pay-per-view, even though it's on free TV. But is TV really free? I don't know what that means. We also kicked off with Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor World Championship. And Jericho straight away was like, ha ha, I'm not obeying your rules. So he slapped Claudio right around the face. And you have never seen a man react so badly to being whacked. Claudio went crazy. Because he was just hitting Chris Jericho with Sagat-like uppercuts before he crotched him on the top rope. So I was like, there goes Jericho's penis. And by the time they were fighting on the outside, Carrie Silken got involved, who of course used to be behind Ring of Honor. Jericho was hiding behind him too and shoved him into Castagnoli to get the upper hand. So do remember this the next time you're looking for a human shield. I suppose he worked out pretty good. The thing is, when Chris did go for a springboard something, Castagnoli just smacked him right midair. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I was like, yep, this is insta-fun. They were then going back and forth, including Jericho hitting a top rope Hurricane Rana after it looked like Claudio was about to kill him. And I cannot and will not ever accept this because Chris Jericho is over 50, and he does this as easy as getting up in the morning and making your eggs. It didn't last long, though, because then Claudio was coming back with uppercuts, and he really likes that move. He did that after Jericho had gone from a code breaker too, so it was doubly badass. And after he had laid in some strikes, he locked in the sharpshooter. But this isn't Chris's first rodeo, so he did get to the ropes. 
But then, man, were we giving Castagnoli a lot. I mean, one time, Chris Jericho went to smack him in the balls, but Claudio was like, Rah, my testicles are too hard. It also meant that Castagnoli could then springboard. <laughs> you know what happened. Jericho was able to then finally hit the code breaker. So I just need to say this. Maybe we just need to calm it down with the springboards. Wait for summer instead. We then went from the walls of Jericho into the big swing, which went on forever, by the way, when Jericho decided to go and get Floyd the baseball bat. And honestly, we got to give a round of applause for Floyd. What a wrestling run he's having. He's up to like three years now. Claudio is so damn strong, though. He basically caught this with both hands, so he didn't get thwomped on the head, so he is Superman. But this caused such a fracas that referee Aubrey Edwards was like, I don't know what to do, and then realized, well, I should get rid of this weapon. And as soon as she did that, Jericho hit Claudio Castagnoli right in his groinal area, followed it up with the Judas effect. He got the three. So now Chris Jericho is the Ring of Honor World Champion, and you have to start asking, what the flub hasn't this man done? He also won this in the most devious way possible, and I really liked it because, of course, it is Ring of Honor. And I know he did this against Brian Danielson too, but I just thought it worked better. And afterwards, the Jericho Appreciation Society are out going, oh, Jericho, we appreciate you so much. Apart from Danny Garcia, who was kind of shaking his head like, man, you are such a cheating goober. This made me happy, though, because Jericho's insane career continues... And sooner than later, he's probably going to be able to say, oh, hello, if there ever was a major promotion in this world, I've been the champion. You've got to give it up. We then got this awesome video focusing on the main event between Brian Danielson and John Moxley. And I was like, this is the most important moment of my life because it got you pumped. And then there was another title change, so New York was on it. But it was Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed, and everybody was coming out with rappers and DJs and who knows what else. And finally, after weeks of being cut off, Max Caster got to do his rap. I swear, at one point, he was talking about glory holes. <laughs> This guy. Anthony Bowens then had the great idea, well, I'm going to try and double-leg Keith Lee, and that did not work. And then Lee just started throwing him around like he was a piece of paper, but also doing a bunch of moves where you're like a guy that big should not be able to do those maneuvers. But more importantly than all of that, this dynamic between Keith and Swerve Strickland continue. Like, Keith Lee will beat you up, but he has morals, whereas Swerve is like a piece of shit. Because as soon as the acclaim went through the whole scissory daddy thing, Swerve just ran in there and cut it off. And these fans weren't happy, especially because basically for the entirety of this, they were doing a scissor me daddy chant. And I said to my girlfriend, because she was around at the time, if I said to you scissor me daddy, what would you think it meant? And she said, probably something sexy, which is the best answer I've heard to that question. This allowed the champs to work over Max Castor a little bit, especially when they focused on his leg. But eventually, he hit this insane brain buster onto Strickland. He got the hot tag to Bowens. And honestly, you could probably have heard this cheer in, I don't know, Chicago. I mean, that ain't that close. Sadly, he was still trying to find a giant. So Keith Lee cut him off at one point and just held him over the top rope onto the stage. And after this, he was doing moonsaults as well. So I was just staring at Keith Lee, thinking to myself, how the hell are you human? Swerve was then being a moron again because he was going to use the boom box, but he actually missed and he smacked Keith Lee in the head. So surely we're about to get to this feud. And this opened the door for Caster to go for the mic drop. And again, he hurt his leg. He wasn't able to do it. And he just slumped on the floor. And I tell you, the fans were so disappointed about this 
there was no need. Because soon we were on the outside and Billy Gunn was getting involved, excuse me, daddy ass. And when the referee wasn't looking, he hit the famous sir onto Swerve Strickland. And once again, everyone was just going crazy. They then got back in the ring. Bowens hit him with the acclaimed. I think it's called the acclaimed. When Caster came off the top with the able, the able, the elbow, and the ref went one, the ref went two, and the ref went three. We have brand new tag team champions, and everybody cheered this like they were about to get free pizza. And yes, if we want to be that guy, we can say, well, this wasn't good as their first match, but you don't look at it that way. You push them together like a sandwich and realize that round one and round two were equally great. And I'm going to be that guy. But this made me so damn pleased because all the way back in like 2021, I said, oh, the acclaim should be tag team champions before the end of 2022. And while it had nothing to do with me, sometimes it's nice to see your favorites climb all the way to the top. I am giving it up. It also finished with a big old bunch of scissoring. And again, make sure today you go to say that for someone that doesn't understand what's going on. And then we zoomed to the back and it was time to set up some challenges. Because FTR were backstage and instantly hit start on controller two. Because they were like, look, we have been the number one contender since April. So maybe it's time for a championship shot. This is when they were interrupted by the gun club, though, who said we're like the younger FTR. I've thought about that for hours and it doesn't make any sense. But the point is this. They're better than these two. They are more over than these two. And they are more successful than these two. So you can already see what's going to happen here. We'll do FTR versus the Gun Club. And the winner will take on the acclaimed. I got no issues with that. It then looked like we were about to get an interview with Wheeler Utah Because Tony Schiavone was like, oh, hello, Will. Shall we have a chat? <laughs> He got interrupted by MJF. Now, the pop for this was ridiculous, so he's quite clearly a babyface. Although he did everything he did to try to get the crowd to boo him by saying, Tony Schiavone, you're nothing but a big fat piece of shib. And also, Wheeler, you are your mid, and you're never going to get a reaction like that. He then tried to go after the people specifically, because he was all like, look, they love me so much, they would drink my spit, and they would let me sleep with their wives, although I wouldn't, because I have standards. Now, look, all right, MJF. But if he comes in right now and goes, do you want to drink this? I'm going to be like, no, I'll have some water. And then if he goes and tries to bang my wife, well, he's not going to be able to because I don't have a wife. Thankfully, U2 was allowed to get his own shots in here because he was all like, oh, Maxwell, I heard he just got engaged. But I bet your fiance is pretty smart and she's going to leave you like you left AEW. And then Freeman came back by saying the BCC actually stands for the Blackpool Cuckold Club. And all of this was that. He also says it doesn't matter who wins in the main event because they're just setting up to be beaten by him. And that Wheeler Utah should go get advice from everybody in his group, including William Regal, who can teach him how to take pills. And thankfully, at this point, Wheeler Utah started to beat him up. I was like, thank goodness for that. Of course, Maxwell is a massive piece of crap, so he booted Utah right in the balls. And then he knocked over Tony Schiavone. And this is when I was dying. Because he had literally gone, oh, I'm going to sleep with your girlfriends. I'm going to sleep with your wives. Everyone went, yeah, do it. And he knocked Tony on the floor. And everyone was like, nope, that's too far. Eventually, 2W Morrissey came out to beat everyone up. Because don't forget that MGF has a relationship with the firm. And actually, what I would do is I would take Morrissey out of that and I would just have him be Wardlow too, in the sense of his relationship with Maxwell Jacob Friedman. I mean, it worked before. It worked five years ago, ten years ago. Just keep doing it. So there is your story too. I imagine that Maxwell is now going to work his way through the Blackpool Combat Club before he does get to, <coughs> spoiler, John Moxley. And all of this was just a nice segment, mostly because Maxwell Jacob Friedman is just crazy, crazy over. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Now a quick segment with Jay Cargill and Diamante, who are going to be fighting on Rampage, and it turns out the original baddie is Trina. Now I think she's a rapper and I'll admit I don't know who that is, but you don't just write television for one specific audience. I'm sure there's a whole community who know who Trina is, so maybe they'll check out AEW and that's what you need to do. Anyway, Cargill was really mad at Kira Hogan here because apparently Kira Hogan knows Trina and this was mostly my face during it. I didn't really understand. And then we finally had a match where no titles changed hands. And of course, I'm joking, you could have changed all fives and I would have been like, yes. But it was Pac versus Orange Cassidy for the All-Atlantic title. And while this may not be as good as a couple of other matches they had, what it did have was such an awesome story. Because Pac has all been like, I don't want to fight a piece of fruit. That's ridiculous. I should be eating him. Whereas we all know Orange Cassidy is deceptively good at professional wrestling. Orange was aware of this though, so threw his sunglasses right in Pac's face. And then throughout the entire thing, he was just like, prod the bear, prod the bear, prod the bear, prod the bear. He was trying to wind the bastard up so much that he would go crazy and lose. Now this kind of happened, because I tell you, Pac really did lose his damn mind. Because he just unloaded on Cassidy like he wanted to kill him. And around this time, Tony Schiavone rejoined commentary. And I love it when stories come together, because he was all like, man, Maxwell Jacob Friedman shouldn't have done that. But he is going to be fined. Not that it matters, because he's got all the power and money now. Ah, oh, what have we done? We then shot back to the ring, where Pac was just doing his whole, <laughs> who cares about gravity? I'm going to defy the laws of physics. And I got genuinely upset about this because here I am walking around with my fat ass having to deal with gravity, whereas Pac, who is also from England, somehow doesn't have to. I think it's fair. Cassidy also had this terrible plan because he was like, I'm going to give Pac the thumbs up. 
And honestly, you would have thought he'd taken a knife out and killed one of Pat's loved ones, because once again, he just went loopy. The thing is, though, eventually Orange did start to use this frustration against him, and at one point, he hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, and he got a proper good near fall. Before he did it again with the stun dog millionaire, then Pat went to the outside, to Orange Cassidy hit with a bunch of DDTs, and it looked like he was wearing him down. Cassidy then just kept reversing everything into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. But this was too much for Pac, because they started fighting on the outside when he got the ring bell hammer and he positioned himself so the referee couldn't see. And he just took it and went doink. <laughs> and he smashed Orange right in the face. I was like, yeah, that's basically cheap. What I absolutely loved is that we didn't do anything after this. He just rolled Orange Cassidy back in the ring and pinned him. And we should do more of that. He got hit in the skull with a blunt object. That's going to take everybody down. Now, we do have to admit, this was the second time on this show where we had some shenanigans. So we shall keep an eye on it. But actually, AEW doesn't do this too much. But like I say, we got to keep this balance in check. However, Pac is still the All-Atlantic champion. Kind of feels like he went semi-heel, but it may have been just for this night, but it was good. We then had another championship match because it was for the AEW Women's Championship. And we had Tony Storm versus Britt Baker versus Athena versus Serena Deeb. I thought it was pretty good. The opening was all about Athena and Storm going at it, and we should get to that program eventually. But when Serena Deeb got back in there, she just hit the go button on professional wrestling. She was doing all these moves and all these submissions. I tell you, she is very, very skilled. She was also doing all this double pin stuff, so that makes her a hero when Britt Baker was back in there whacking people. And eventually, Tony Storm went to the top rope, but you don't go to the top rope in a four-way, because Baker was here, and Deeb was here, and Athena was here, and they did the big old Tower of Doom. Never get bored of a Tower of Doom. It also opened the door for Athena to perform even more moves, and she is very good too. And this is when Rebel had increased her MP, so she was casting distraction. I put my hand up like, uh, excuse me, AEW. You know that Rebel is going to do this. Why the flub is she allowed at ringside to begin with? So we should banish her like she's in Judge Dredd, and then it was Tony Storm's turn to be on top. And yes, she hit Sweet Cheek Music which is what she's now calling her hypotech. And this is when Deeb was back on it because she was doing neck breakers and she was doing arm holds and she was locking in the serenity lock before that got broken up when Athena, I think, shouted, time for me to go crazy because she had two people, one on her back and she was holding one like this and she was just stomping around and she hit a double move and I was like, yep, that'll do it. I think that Britt Baker may have taken a bad fall here because when she did get up, there was blood gushing out of her nose and the commentator said they thought it was broken. When both the dentist and the Tony Storms tried to win with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. And amazingly, that did win. Tony got the most devastating one of the bunch. She pinned her, she retained her title. Now it doesn't feel to me like we have done a surprise roll-up finish for a while, so you can get away with it. And actually this match was more about the fallout because instantly Britt Baker and Rebel was beating everybody up when Jamie Hayter ran to the ring and she went into tease mode just when it looked like she was about to smack Brit right in the face, she attacked Tony Storm instead. Now, I totally understand why AEW did do this. We'll get to it in just one second. But I can't lie, something in my tum-tum went, ugh. Because for ages, I have wanted to see Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter fall out. And while you can actually justify it saying, but Simon, she's going after the world champion, which does make sense. Sometimes I can't control my emotions, so it does have to get her down. I thought we pulled the trigger. Now we've got the bullet and we 
pushed it back in the chamber. I mean, look at it this way, right? If I am playing Mario Kart and somebody pulls my controller out and they ring me up the next day and say, hi, Simon, do you want to play Mario Kart? I'm going to be like, no, I do not want to play Mario Kart with you. Also, apparently this happened in the late 90s because my controller is being plugged in. Forget all of that, though, because it is kind of irrelevant because as this beatdown was going on, some brand new music started to play and a brand new Titantron appeared on the big screen because we had just had a debut at Grand Slam and it was flipping Soraya, the former page. She got an absolutely crazy pop that you need to go out of your way to see. And after the ring had cleared, she looked at Britt Baker and said, this is my house, which you can't be because you've only been there one day. You've got to put a mortgage down first. But this was quite the arrival. Again, it was one of those moments. And don't forget that wrestling is all about moments. So when you take the match and you take this shock, you've got to give it an up. It was pretty damn decent. We then had this video kind of promoting Darby Allen and Sting taking on the House of Black. But it was Darby <laughs> getting on the New York subway and he had a body bag with a body in it. Now, I don't want to be that guy, but I don't think you're allowed to do that. At least one person would walk up to you and go, hello, sir, can I please inquire as to what is in your holding device? And if you said anything but, yeah, man, I've got a carcass in there, <laughs> no one was going to believe you. I know, this is what Darby Allen apparently does in his free time. Also, who was in the bag? Because he quite clearly has either A, committed murder, or even worse, he's been digging up dead bodies. It was then time for our main event, which felt kind of crazy, because this had just gone title match, title match, title match, title match, title match. But I don't mind us doing that every here and there, and also it made the whole damn card feel important. And we got to the AEW World Title Contest, I tell you. This was crazy. It was also Brian Danielson and John Moxley in the finals of the tournament, and we sold this so hard because William Regal was on commentary, and he was even like, "Oh, it's gonna, but I'm not going to flirt with you this evening, my pumpkin spice. We're gonna have to leave that for another time." Because, like I say, this is when ship gets real. MJF was also watching this from the stands with that oversized ship, which does look kind of ridiculous. I'm still not 100% sure if he just gets to choose his match, or it's like a Money in the Bank cash-in, but we can move that to one side because nothing happened on this evening. Because back in the ring, Danielson and Moxley must have had a chat where they were like, okay, my idea for the match is like we try and murder each other. And the other guy went, oh, that was my idea too. So they stood in the squared circle and tried to commit death. I mean, the amounts of boot strikes, punches and chops started to make me feel oogly boogly. And more than once, they were attempting to choke the other one out. And when they wouldn't tap, they were like, all right, well, I'm just going to lock it even, even harder. So once again, their plan was, if I can't pin him and they won't submit, I'll just murder his ass. It was then all violence, body parts and submissions, which is the name of my brand new EP. And if you are looking for wrestling with edge that doesn't involve Adam Copeland, this is where you need to go. Because it honestly felt like they thought they were in UFC and they could do whatever the flub they wanted. I'm not even sure you could do this with too many guys because we know they're our friends. They do have a relationship because once more, it was just lay that strike in as hard as you can. So they did. Brian was soon dumped on his head after a suplex, so I was freaking out, but he still managed to get back into this by hitting a superplex. And at one point, they both just like bridged up using their necks. 
And if you were really quiet, you could hear William Regal on commentary shedding a tear because he loves that stuff. Danielson was then applying the cattle mutilation, but Moxley got out of that and just slammed him with this lariat. But then when he went for the death rider, Danielson was able to reverse that and he got him with the running knee for a great near fall. And I genuinely was like, this is like tennis to me, which weren't given the stadium. I don't know which way it's going to go. By this point, Brian's leg was mushed though because Moxley had been working over it. He did not care. He was like, all right, it's flashing red like a boss in the video game. I'll attack it. And then he hit the death rider. And I tell you, Brian Danielson kicked out so late, I thought I had a baby. What does that even mean? Later on, it also looked like Mox was going to tap to the label lock, but he was able to get out of that. And when they fought to the outside, I'm just going to close my eyes and pretend this didn't happen. Jonathan hit the Death Rider onto Danielson on the ring stage. Now, do not forget, Brian Danielson, or Daniel Bryan, has already retired once. Why the hell doesn't he care about his head? This still would not keep Brian Danielson down, so he was selling him like a superhero. So this ties into what I was just saying. John Moxley decided, well, there's nothing else I can do. I choose death. Because he did lock in that choke, and Brian would not stop wiggling and wriggling. So he just locked it even harder until Danielson did eventually pass out, meaning that John Moxley is not only the brand new AEW World Champion, but a three-time champion. And there was a great bit afterwards, and Regal came to the ring. Brian was all like, oh man, did I pass out? Did I pass pass out, which is what people actually do in mixed martial arts. Felt flipping real. There also saw some people saying, oh, AEW does this finish too much. I'm like, have you ever watched any kind of UFC? It's literally what happens all the time and that's real. And yes, afterwards the BCC was celebrating because at least one of their guys is now the world champion. As Maxwell Jacob Freeman looked on like, man, I'm gonna get mine. It really does open the door for so many questions though, because surely MGF does need to win that championship when they have the match. But can Moxie really have another short title reign? So my eyebrow goes up, but what some awesome seeds to plant. It is getting it up. Which did bring us to the end of AEW Night in my Grand Slam. And look, this is just a show you need to see. As we've already talked about, it was just a pay-per-view event, but it happened to be on television. If you like a bit of wrestling, you will like this. Getting it up. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.